podcasts from Aberdeen Standard Investment Trusts. Invest in good company. Hello and welcome to this Aberdeen Standard Investment Trust podcast. I'm Cherry Reynard. Today I'm talking to Andrew Lister, manager of the Aberdeen Emerging Markets Investment Company. We'll be discussing the opportunities in emerging markets today and how they're being reflected in the portfolio. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Cherry. Now, today, it seems that emerging markets are, on the one hand, they're benefiting from global economic recovery, but they're also contending with some well-flagged crises on the other. I was wondering if you could give us a big picture view on the state of emerging market economies today. Yeah, uh, I think you're generally right with, with the question. They are definitely benefiting from the from the economic recovery and post-COVID. Um, the world is a high growth place, um, and that's that has to be positive for emerging markets. So yes, definitely participating in the economic recovery, and that's been reflected in, in performance since the, the lows of March last year. In terms of the crises, I mean, I'd, I'd say they're probably not really crises, but there's certainly plenty of headlines around, as there always is in emerging markets. And the, and the kind of topic that investors are, are concerned about today, um, the big one is obviously, uh, you know, something of a clampdown going on by regulators in China with regard to technology companies, which has had a, a big impact on their performance so far this year. Um, and then also kind of flashpoints. Um, of either politics or COVID-related news in in markets and economies like India, Brazil, uh, or Turkey. So yes, the usual balance of of risks and opportunities, but you know we think we think definitely more opportunities than risks at present. And which countries are likely to be the strongest beneficiaries of the recovery? I mean, you'd assume it would be the commodity producers, but is it is it more nuanced than that? Uh, I think I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. I mean, certainly that that's been a trend that has been playing out in in the last kind of six months or so, which is you know, to the end of April. I'm talking about here. It has been a very interesting period because you have seen a very sharp reversal of fortunes between the markets that performed very strongly initially in COVID because they had a they dealt with the the pandemic well and quickly, got back on track uh, for growth uh, very rapidly. And the performance of those that suffered perhaps a more drawn out uh, pandemic that are still suffering from rising or substantial number of cases. And, and almost coincidentally, those two things do map onto commodity and energy countries. So the, the strong response from China, Taiwan, Korea, which also happen to have those technology names that I've already referred to versus the likes of Russia, the Middle East, Latin America, Africa, which tend to be uh, more commodity driven, as you say, and also have generally had a more difficult pandemic. So the last six months, you, you've seen a very sharp rotation, actually, in performance between the commodity producers and exporters and the likes of China, China being the standout market, which really hasn't gone anywhere for the last six months, which is a little surprising. So yes, we we are seeing at the moment um, that higher energy prices, higher commodity prices are benefiting some of those more cyclical markets, which also happen to be value markets, more value markets. So, so it's really been a perfect storm for some of those economies in that you've had value outperforming growth, you've had commodities and cyclicals outperforming non-cyclicals, and that has really favoured uh, markets like, for example, Mexico, Brazil, South Africa, Russia, and, and parts of the Middle East, which performed extremely strongly of late. Whether that continues or not is, is anyone's guess, but certainly if commodities continue to trend higher 
based on um, the rapid recovery that's being priced in post-COVID. Uh, we're obviously not there yet, but it's certainly being priced in by markets. Then you'd expect to see those more cyclical um, commodity-related economies continuing to perform well, um, not least because they finally have some contribution coming through from their currencies. So it's not just the commodity companies that are benefiting, it's the, it's the currencies that, that are in those countries that, that have been strengthening and adding to your returns in, in the recent past. And against that backdrop, how have you adjusted the portfolio? I mean, are you trying to keep a balance between the two sides or are you have you been positioning for recovery? We, we haven't adjusted a, an awful lot. I mean, we were we were positioned for the performance of the last six months prior to the last six months. So we, we had, you know, we took some pain and then the last six months have actually been very good for us. So we, we are overweight, Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So markets like, like those I've just mentioned, Russia, Sub-Saharan Africa, the Middle East, uh, and we have been underweight, um, China. So we haven't had to reposition. Um, we're pretty happy with the way things have been playing out recently. Uh, and we we haven't, you know, all we've really done is taken some profit, actually. So the emerging markets were incredibly strong at the very start of this year, uh, and they peaked kind of towards the end of February. So we we were fortunate to take some profits around that time to pay down gearing. So actually, that's really the only change we've made to the portfolio is to take a little bit of risk off towards the end of February, beginning of March. And, and now, obviously, markets have softened a bit, and um, and we're looking at, you know, how we might put some of that liquidity back to work. And looking a bit longer term, um, in the past few years, it's, it's been very, very much China and these big tech names that have led emerging markets higher. That's kind of changed more recently. But on the other hand, you feel that in the longer term, some of these big tech names may be kind of beneficiaries of, of the different landscape that emerges post-COVID. So where are you on those kind of big China tech names? You said you were underweight China overall there, but, but what's your longer term view? Yeah, so, so the way we invest our fund, we, we, tend to, we tend to be underweight the largest stocks in the index, almost as a structural result of how we invest, allocating to active stock pickers in emerging markets, you know, gets us a significant overweight to smaller mid caps. And, and that's been a pretty you know, consistent position for us over the very long term. So we're, we're underweight some of those technology names more by virtue of the way our underlying managers invest rather than because we have a, a negative view on them. I think what's happened is is a little bit of a reality check that you know these companies are not going to be permitted by the Chinese authorities to to branch out into every aspect of um, you know your your man on the streets life. Uh, it's one thing to sell products to them that get delivered to their doorstep or to be the means by which they communicate with their friends, but I think the clampdown you're seeing now is is really saying you know, that doesn't permit you to to start other lines of business, financial in particular. Uh, for example, personal loans has been a, a real area where where the government is trying to clamp down. You know, so we think it's just a bit of a reality check. We just certainly don't think these companies have gone X growth. You know, they're huge, well-run companies. But certainly valuations uh, had run up to, to a, a meaningful extent, helped by the fact that in China, you know, you had this country that had dealt incredibly well with the pandemic, which attracted a lot of capital. Um, and so you're really just having a, you know, a pullback. 
it's it's a meaningful one. It's about 30% from, from recent peaks for, for many of these companies. But we certainly don't think it's, uh, you know, the fact that these companies have gone X growth. So we maintain a balance. We prefer all else being equal to buy companies that have attractive growth at you know, attractive valuations as well. So I do think the emerging market universe is broad enough, is deep enough that, you know, you will always be able to find opportunities where you can have both, where you can have your cake and eat it of, of buying companies that grow very nicely over the long run, possibly with dividends, and that also trade at undemanding valuations, which have scope to expand in, in the future. And I think that the rotation you've seen is, is partly reflective of that, but just some of the areas we've already talked about cyclicals, financials, mining, energy, you know, they, they've been pretty unloved places for a, for a considerable period of time in emerging markets. So uh, it's good to see them having a, a burst of life. But, but again, you know, it doesn't mean that's going to continue indefinitely. I think what's healthy, though, is that the, uh, the, you know, the returns are broadening out from just that very small cohort of tech names in Asia. And, and reminding investors really that there are other things to buy in emerging markets, and you should probably have some exposure to um, a lot of what's out there rather than just focusing on a very narrow opportunity set in a single market. Okay, and on that, I mean, are there any other themes that you'd highlight in the trust today? No, well, I think, as I said, we're, we're happy with the way we're positioned. Um, I think we're particularly happy with the exposure we have to small caps at the moment, because we think that that is you know, a very rich scene of investment opportunity for active managers. And, you know, with that backdrop that we've already discussed, you know, we do think it's a very good environment for active managers, stock pickers in this uh, asset class at the moment to be to be pouring over the things that are le- less well researched, less well covered by analysts, and, you know, digging out uh, laggards, or simply mispriced opportunities where, you know, perhaps companies have had a much better experience in the last year than the the market is giving them credit for. So a bit of volatility helps in that regard, because your active managers can benefit from that volatility. We've certainly had no sorters for that in the last year. So so we think think small caps are a a very interesting area of the market. They, They like everything else, X, tech have been underperforming uh, and have really gone sideways for a number of years. So in a a world where equities at large look expensive across many of the developed markets, you know, we think that's somewhere that people can can really look forward to generating some good returns, almost irrespective of what happens in the rest of the world. And emerging market dividends were reasonably resilient last year, I think, certainly compared to um, UK dividends. What's the outlook? there do you do you see a reasonably healthy year ahead yes i think so Uh, i mean all the evidence to date is that they're bouncing back very quickly as you mentioned yes the uk the average uk investor can certainly benefit from some diversification into emerging markets if if they're looking for for income and and so we're seeing very much that it's still going to be an asset class that you can invest in for yield you know, three to four percent is is quite achievable in emerging markets, but that should be a three to four percent that grows over the long term, which is what you want as a dividend investor. And you should be able to capture some capital gains as well. So we still think the income argument for emerging markets is is a very strong one. And and what's interesting at the moment is that actually, as, as bond yields come down around the world, for local investors in emerging markets, equities are looking attractive as well. So you know, the the fact that locals will likely be buying more equities 
going forward is also you know another underpinning for the for your capital value in in emerging markets and the the volatility inherent in emerging markets can be something of a deterrent for investors how can investors go about managing that that volatility is it you know incorporating fixed income or you know putting regular savings in the market or uh, what would you suggest yeah you've you've beaten me to it so those two <laughs> things would be number 1 and number 2 certainly it's it's an asset class that lends itself to that kind of drip drip of a of a regular savings approach so i i have the same into into a, you know this fund it goes in monthly and it and it builds over time and certainly helps to dampen the volatility if whilst you're doing that you're also reinvesting your dividends then obviously you're buying you know irrespective of whether the headlines are positive or negative and I think that's a very handy kind of arm's length approach to have where you you take out some of the emotion of it and, and money goes in. You know, even if you look at last year, you would have been buying the asset class right at the March lows um, because you've got that in place. And then also fixed income. Yeah, fixed income's had um, quite a difficult time uh, in the last six months in emerging markets. And you know, you're now looking at yields of you know four to five percent, quite achievable, and, and very deep markets actually for sovereign bonds and corporate bonds in emerging markets now so combining an element of that as well will certainly dampen your volatility and save applies no reason you can't buy that you know on a monthly basis or and with, with reinvesting your income right okay and then just finally um i wonder if you can talk a bit about how you're feeling about the year ahead um whether you're optimistic the kind of risks you're monitoring yeah, sure. So if you'd asked me eight weeks ago, um, I think it would have been quite a different answer. You know, at that time, emerging markets were outperforming developed markets very significantly year to date. And there was a huge amount of optimism and capital actually flowing into the asset class. That's really cooled down in, in the last couple of months, um, not least because of what's gone on in China, but also the resurgence of, of COVID in, in, in some of the markets like India and, and Brazil. And so at the moment, you know, we see the asset class looking a little bit unloved again and we think that's always a good time to be putting more money to work it's certainly reflected in the discount that the trust is trading on at the moment which is about 14 percent to nav i think is is extremely good value uh, as i said that that dividend income is, is not going away anytime soon so so the trust yields three percent and we think the valuations are more attractive as i said particularly if you're willing to do the uh, the hard work of of finding those more unloved regions of the world where, where valuations you know range from attractive to frankly compelling so we think there's there's plenty to be positive about we don't see any reason why if the global economic recovery continues as is being priced in by markets that emerging markets don't participate very fully uh, in that growth and that recovery so i would say optimistic for the rest of the year okay great all right thank you andrew for your time today and for those insights thank you to our listeners for tuning in you can find out more about the trust at www.aberdeenemergingmarkets.co.uk and please do look out for future podcasts podcasts from aberdeen standard investment trusts invest in good company This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments of products mentioned herein 
and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen Standard Investments. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns. Return projections are estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.